Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars. Hello, welcome back to Saxon Jacks. I'm Tamal Andrew on the board, S&P Futures. We're down again here today. This is not, this is pretty ugly. We're down another 44. Dow Futures down 368. Nasdaq Futures down 90. It's on the heels of a horrendous, horrendous but slow day, as, as weird as that is. We were we made it down like a hundred and some spook points yesterday and just sat there. And like everybody just realized that I guess that's that's where we're supposed to be. And I'm like, wait a minute, where, where did that one come from? But uh, anyway, it came from someplace. We have Mr. Kevin. You do. Good morning. And how are you, bud? Doing just fine. Well, that's good. Somebody well, is just you know. fine. Had my last class of the semester yesterday, so all I got to do is grade some stuff. And Get grades in by Tuesday. Just slash Great red. Final projects, and then and then, uh, and then call it a semester for a few weeks. Uh, slash red through it. F F F F F. Sam. That's me. You know, you, you remember the uh, in in a, uh, a Christmas story. You know where the uh, um, the uh, uh, the teachers grading the essays. Yeah. Yeah, that's me. I uh, had some actually. I'm 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 kind of a softy when it comes to that kind of stuff. I'm. I, that th- that th- I, I, I'm more concerned about the feedback I give them than I am about uh, the score I give them. That doesn't mean I give them scores they don't deserve, but what it means is I'm not, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm not looking to nitpick. I'm looking for them to actually learn stuff. So nobody can like buy a grade with you, are they? Oh hell no. Well, what, what kind of funny? Well, you'd never make an alderman for God's sake. Uh, no, I, I would not. <laughs> I absolutely would not. <laughs> well, but you know, what's the fun in uh, what's the fun in that? You know, and just got your Chicago roots. You got to wet your beak. Um, yeah, but my my Chicago roots are suburban roots. So, oh, all right, um, it's you know, we. Uh, you know, it's it's more about learning to take advantage of the system rather than to uh, be bought uh, every way bought through the system. So you know, slightly you know, different, a slightly different angle on the whole thing. You're, so you're not a, uh, uh, a a guy who thinks Mike Royko is right with, with the Chicago what. First of all, what is the Chicago model, model Andrew? And, and Where's mine? Well, then that's a Mike, that's a Mike Rico said it should be. It's actually I will, right? Uh, yeah, okay. Oh, yes, 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 of course. Um, yeah, and I do remember that from uh, civics class in, in yeah. grade school. Back when we actually had, like, civic class and stuff, type of thing. Yeah. Actually, it, sh- it probably should be changed to you will. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> or you will, comma, damn it. So I, as we drove in this morning, the burn interchange is actually open, all four lanes. And it was actually oh, pretty so smooth exciting. and very nice. And that's so exciting. On time, on budget, right? Uh, four or five years late and probably double the budget. 
close enough. It was just an estimate anyway. Although I do have to ask uh, X, the thing they did it for eight hundred and fifty million bucks, <coughs> and it was all these bridges, all this new coming. It's a it was a major project, major major project. I'm not disparaging that. They did it for eight hundred fifty. Is that le- is that cheaper than Carlos Correa? Uh, yeah, pretty well, and, and then not as might be. Well, the five point six mile uh, extension of of the red line, they wanted three point six billion. I don't see how that's four and a half times more of a deal than this burn interchange. I can't ima- I can't imagine that at all. Just saying. Yeah, where where is, where is the extension going? It's going to go from Ninety Fifth Street. <coughs> uh, to 130th to <coughs> at, at Gelt Gardens, where my attorney's buddy sells oh, me. Sure. That's, uh, that's where all the gangbangers live. <laughs> that's cool. I The idea of, of putting more people on the red line in the state it's in, um, with the, you know, I, I, I love the smell of urine in the morning. Um, how many more people can they get on the damn thing? <laughs> it smells like victory? <laughs> yeah, it smells like victory. I mean, it's, I, I can't even. I, Kevin, what is. And we got, you know, the market here to talk about. But what is my my friend John Lee has been on the show before. He's back from Singapore, and he was I was with him last night. Although it must have been last night must have been the official Christmas party night because of course nobody works on Friday anymore. And uh, so I, we tried to go to like three places. You couldn't even door. And uh, anyway, but we managed to. I managed to get him on a train back to the Burbs. And, uh, so a lot of, uh, you're saying it was all the office Christmas party stuff? Uh, and just people that are, I guess, their last night out well, or something. How many, how many people are now uh, so so very fired today after last night's office Christmas party? Um, well, you know, the stuff I saw was, uh, you know, over in the series, they had one room where they had to do hors d'oeuvres and stuff, everybody was behaved. And the other ones are just tables of 15, 20, you know, 10, 20 people, long tables, and everybody looked to me like they were behaved. <laughs> I didn't see anybody messing around. So I mean, I, I didn't see anybody grabbing anybody's behind or anything like that. So it's pretty hard to well, be sitting down. That, you know? that that isn't the worst of it. It's the people that get drunk and they decide it's time to confront the boss. Well, yeah, well, I did when I picked Andrew up this morning at a, at a new location because he hung around down here. I did see a couple wandering in at like five forty-five. <laughs> That's a little late. <laughs> I hope they had a good time somewhere. Uh, anywho, uh, <laughs> the uh, yeah, it's so. But I don't, I mean, I, but John just was from San Francisco. He goes, that used to be my, like, my favorite city. You're tripping over people. Everywhere, everywhere you go, you smell as, as a urine. He goes, I took the bar, Bart, I couldn't wait to get off the thing. There's all these people on there, they all smell. I mean, he, I mean I, somewhere along the line here, Kevin, there's a, we, we need, we need to find a way. Meanwhile, as I had, had a head to the dentist yesterday, uh, more than anybody needs to know, but, um, <laughs> We get teeth cleaned once in a while. I'm listening on the radio that the that the CTA is having real problems hiring people. And guess what the guess what they're what they're doing to people to get them not doing to people what they're do, what they're offering for people to start. I have no idea. Tell me. Um, thousand bucks. Uh, so uh, and we we have a. Uh, Hey, Andrew, could you uh, call Mr. Mike? Because evidently uh, the line is busy or something when he calls in. You got his number over there, Mike Murphy. Um, Andrew, are you with me? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah. Sounds good. Okay, um, so it's it's 1000 bucks, like, to get you in the door. They'll train you, and, it's, and you start at 40 bucks an hour. Uh, that's not horrible. Just saying. 
No, you could you could probably make ends meet on that. It's eighty grand a year, plus if you get any overtime. You know, it's still Chicago's still an expensive city. That's 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 not an easy. Uh, um, you know, it doesn't mean you're set for uh, no for indefinitely. Okay, I know, but, but you, you it, can. It, it's comfortable enough that you can you can make ends meet on it. Well, if 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 you're um, you can certainly you know, run a many, place. How many jobs can you say that? You know, how many can you say that about very many jobs at the moment? Well, that's that's and starting uh, too. I mean, I, I got to believe if you're a little while, you you make more. But I mean, if you do any kind of overtime or help out, you know, I, I suppose you could do ninety a year. Well, you, you do OT, yeah, if they, and 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 if they're if they're you know paying you know uh, up in the ante on pay because. Um, uh, because they can't fill the jobs, you can you're guaranteed that there's OT. Yeah, so I don't no I mean doubt I, that there's overtime for it. So um, yeah, you can you, you probably do pretty darn well doing that. I just wonder we have to yeah. get our, our buddy uh, Doctor Blade back. I, 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 they, they still have the microphone for the motormen and, and the people like that. Yeah, so I could still I could I could do that job and teach while I'm at it. Just give me that microphone. Yeah, yeah, it's a. Uh, you know, I, I don't I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess the, the the question is how quickly do people you know, degrade once you're underneath the bridge. I mean, we have, we've had Dr. Johnson talk about that a couple times, and uh, I think you degrade pretty fast, especially if there's some uh, some uh, drugs involved. So, so get a load of this. this well, there, there's almost inevitably drugs. Right? Yeah. The homelessness is, there, there are a lot of reasons for it, but the biggest reason, by far, is, is drug addiction. And, yeah. Uh, you know, so the the lion's share of the homeless people more than any other factor are, are drug addicts who have just they're, they're in the process of hitting rock bottom and the only question is are you, uh, you going to take that uh, that slap in the face and start the road to recovery or are you going to die well yeah and, and, and somewhere along the line there needs to be some sort of help there because to turn that person around has got to be so good for society if, if possible But so get a load of this hey, anytime you want to bring Mike in bring him in uh, We'll talk soccer in a minute, but he likes to listen in. So, so we get a lot of <laughs> this is just in our little hood here. Uh, in, this is downtown, right? So, as as you swing around the expressway, they put this park like across the street, right near the expressway. One's a dog park, and another one's just a just a park park. Uh, you would think that that would be okay. Well, on the side, they don't let they don't let people, you know, necessarily uh, camp out in the park. You can't, you can't, you know, evidently that's, that's a no-no. I don't know why, but, it, well, I guess I do know why. But but to the side of it, Kevin, on, the, on the, the slope between the park and the Eisenhower Expressway, now, it's not a steep slope, but it's a slope, there's now a tent city, like, on this slope. And I didn't even realize it until one night, I'm waiting to get on the expressway in my truck, and I see this guy on a bike, and he comes by, and all of a sudden he's, he's driving down the expressway on his bike, like weaving through traffic. And all of a sudden he pulls up, like for an access where, where the wall's real low between the expressway and the the tent city. It's probably when I say tent city, it's probably seven or eight big big tents. Uh, the guy pulls over, leans his bike up against the expressway wall on the shoulder, and, and hops up over the edge. <laughs> Obviously, he's the drug delivery guy. I'm going. These people have, have this much uh, chutzpah and intelligence. <laughs> Mr. McFeely's grandson, is yeah, what you're saying. It's like, if you, if you have that kind of, uh, you know, intelligence and, 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 uh, and, and uh, shall we say, uh, courage <laughs> to, to take your bike on the expressway, uh, 
God, there's got to be a job for you someplace, you would think. But I, I don't well, there, there is. And, you know, I, I have heard that, you know, I've, I've actually heard that from young people, very young people, um, that, you know, you get in front of a classroom of kids and, and they say, you know, why shouldn't I just deal drugs? The drug dealer in my neighborhood makes a fortune. Look at how, look at how the guy lives. And I said, look, at if, you, if you're smart enough to run a, a, a drug business, you're smart enough to run a legitimate business. And when you're running a legitimate business, there is a much, much lower chance that you will either be killed or go to jail. Well, yeah, and I... I so, yeah, so yes. Is there a place for them? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's almost like a... In, in some areas, I'm not going to say everybody... You know, look, at our, look at our guy, Mike. He, you know, that he got into a legitimate business. He, he saw the light. Yeah. Was, uh, Morning, Mike. Mike, are you with us? Yes, I am. So what are you talking about, Kevin? We were saying that you I'm all of a sudden just giving you a hard time, man. You said you you, you you turned the bus around and became a Mike was always was always a productive citizen, but sometimes more productive than others. You know, but that's that's everybody can make that statement. Uh, I, I I'm just sort of seeing him, you know, uh, in in stripes, going, "What kind of training?" And Mike going, "Oh, training, sir." <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't ever see Mike driving around on a bike and then at night on the expressway to deliver drugs to somebody. I, I, not I, likely. Not no, not likely at all. I don't think. Uh, but you know, I think there's a certain disdain for people who have regular jobs when you're when you're in that kind of when you're in this off off grid, shall we say, stuff. But uh, Mike, you know, you probably have not well, listened. Do you remember in in the the, the uh, um, narration in in Goodfellas when uh, Henry uh, Henry Hill is in witness protection and he's. Um, you know, it basically, he's complaining that after a life of all the action, he, now he lives like a schmuck. Well, yeah. Well, you know, it's last night, just as a kind of a, a, a personal thing. I mean, I, I mean, I, my truck, I parked a couple blocks down, uh, and uh, so, but it's, but it's no big deal, right? But most of the time, I, I walk from you know wherever I'm at the club or whatever, and I, and, you know, you'll bump into some homeless people and so forth, and uh, you know. Maybe you give them a buck, maybe you don't. But it's, it's obviously they're 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 harmless. Last night was the first time. There was a few of us were walking to the truck, and uh, all of a sudden we're we're kind of accosted by a couple of groups of guys looking for dough. But all of a sudden these guys were not they were not homeless. They were like thirty five ish, maybe maybe thirty ish, and it was you know I'm a pretty big guy. Not that I could fight anybody today, but I probably could handle myself against a homeless person. But that's uh, it, it's down on his luck. I'm sitting there going, this is the first time I kind of wish I had my concealed carry. You know, I don't have one. I, I did the class, but I don't, I, mean, I, don't, I don't have a gun or anything. Uh, I, but I took the class just to learn. And uh, it's the first time I was, you know, what if I wouldn't have two other guys with me? Would these guys have been a little more, I mean, the neighborhood was like, the area was like crawling with them. Did everybody know that there was a, it was a party night and people would be coming out with money or what? I don't, I'm sitting there going, why are all these people hanging around down here? I mean, it's really hard to, it's hard to say they don't belong here. But let's put it this way: they're not from here. I mean, nobody nobody lives in this area. It's not like you'd be well, out taking your dog for a walk, and all of a sudden there you are. I mean, that's not the case. And if somebody was out taking their dog for a walk, I'd be worried about them. They're well, by themselves. Well, Tom, we're having the you know the same sort of problems here in Charlottesville. Sometimes it's like the Wild West, and and you don't know what you're going to encounter. And it's well, it's I don't know. Somehow or another, this is this is sort of. I mean, in the last couple of weeks, you know, we've had, uh, you know, people just 
the, the robbing goes on in broad daylight. There's got to be, I mean, you don't want to target people. You don't want to do those, you don't want to do the, go back to the, everybody who's driving around, it looks like you don't, they're the wrong color or something, you pull them over, you don't want to be doing that. But by the same token, the downtown area at 2 in the morning, there's nobody here. The remo- well, there are some people, but, but by and large, if you should be able to, with the $90 bazillion we spent on, on cameras and everything else, whatever, whatever all, all have been getting greased by this stuff, you should be able to identify stolen cars that are driving down the street, you would think. I mean, I, I don't think there's a problem pulling somebody over if this car's stolen, is there? I mean, that doesn't offend anybody's rights, I don't, wouldn't think. But they're always... Well, I, you know, people, uh, I think we get a, um, you know, a different view of crime from television. You know, it, it's you know, on television, you get instant feedback. You know, oh, if somebody sees a license plate, you can run it right away. And But, you know, you need people to implement those uh, that type of activity. Well, there was an article, I don't know if you read it, Kevin, I'm sure you didn't, Mike, but an article in the Tribune yesterday about, it's actually a, a good friend of mine, uh, Judge Tooman. Uh, Judge Tooman is retiring, he's uh, 80, 82 years old or something, the last 10 years he's been the head of uh, ju- Juvenile. Um, you know, with but Judge Tooman, his, his, his career, I mean, by most people's regard in the last know he the first time he ran he was he was a state's attorney for a while and a lawyer for a while uh, he's been probably the single best judge in the last 40 years he was always singled out for uh for best uh for all these real tough cases he did a couple of major mobsters and that kind of thing he was always he was at the head of the head of his class where he got these cases and when he went over to juvenile so this guy writes this article about him yesterday and I, I don't know if i want to engage and and, and, and write an article you know it's Kevin knows well. Kevin does more writing than either one of us, Mike. But uh, the article is not about Judge Tillman. It was about the writer and his views of the world. And he's obviously very woke, liberal, whatever the hell you want to call it. And he was taking Tillman to task for some controversial thing where he kept two twelve-year-old kids in jail because they killed somebody, and he didn't want to let them go. He didn't. I mean, there was no. No, There's no place to leave him to it. The parents were God knows where gone, so he he, he kept them in custody. And then he, right, so he he treated them as adults then, correct? Well, no. There's a, there's a law in in Chicago said you can't keep anyone in jail over the age of ten or something, but the state law was fifteen, and he didn't think the city had the right to override the, whatever whatever it was. He he felt he had the right, and he actually wrote a, a paper saying why he had the right. So it wasn't like he just dodged it. But anyway, right. he kept these kids, and they were they were convicted. And uh, and uh, you know, so this guy keeps talking about now. We're now it's now able since he's retiring to have this this new age of just like letting all these kids go, you know, because they're 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 too young to be in to be in the system. But by the same token, the the, the corresponding thing is, if you're a, an 18 year old bleep, you have a 13 or 14 year old with you, and he carries the gun. He hands it to you when you need it because he can't be arrested or he, he's a juvenile. Well, you know, you can't have both of those things happen at the same time. Be pissed off at judges because they're they're somewhat strict. At the same time, the the, the criminals are seeing exactly what's happening. And if the if the age is nine, they're going to have an eight year old carry the gun. I mean, it's it, I mean somewhere along the line here. There, but the whole article was about now it's time for for new new ideas. And then of course they quote all these people that you should never have a kid like this in jail because he's all you got to do is uh, I'm not saying jail, but whatever juvenile detention. 
I mean, you, you know, because all of a sudden now these these are really good kids, and the problem is the system, and you got to let them back out to their parents. And what, first of all, most of them, I'm not having. I mean, what world do these people live in that, that that write this stuff? You would think that after. Have you ever heard of the Butterfield effect? Uh, no. Well, I probably have without that term, but please explain. It was it was named after um, uh, a writer. I think it was like a New York Times writer named Fox Butterfield, and um, and he. he Wrote a column that you know has now become you know has had his that, that morphed into the term using his name, where he was asking how on earth and this was like in the Giuliani days when Giuliani was mayor. He said, "How on earth can we be still arresting and jailing all these people when our crime when our crime statistics say crime is down so much?" Uh, Not realizing that crime was down so much because we were actually prosecuting people and putting them in jail. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's one of those duh moments. And yet we, we do this, you know, it, it, every, every generation or so, we have this snapback where we really, really lenient um, about crime. And then, you know, it, 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 it never works. It never works. Well, the, the article went on to say, the latest, uh, and then we'll talk soccer and everything after the, the market, kind of talking about the market down 42 points. Uh, article went on to say Judge Tuman did his uh, his retention ballot two years ago, and he, he's supposed he needs 60% to win. Well, he comes in with 62%, which is the narrowest anybody's like kind of ever have been. So you might say people didn't like the guy. In fact, the guy fi- finally mentions it like in the last paragraph of the article. He was with the Jesse Smollett case and Kim Fox. They all of a sudden dropped all the charges of Jesse Smollett because he did some stuff. Police were called. He accused some people of whatever it was. And it turns out it was totally made up. So Kim Fox, who had some sort of relationship with the guy, I'm not, I'm not going to go down that road. Some sort, they knew each other. They knew each other intimately. I, I don't know. But there was some, some relationship. She drops all the charges. So somebody evidently filed suit, and they, and they, they appoint Judge Tuman to hear the case because he's they know he's been one of the one of the fairest guys forever he sees the thing sees it's totally bleeped up and he he appoints a special prosecutor to investigate not only the dropping of the charges but the the role that the district attorney had involved in this and uh so he he appoints uh, dan webb and dan webb comes back and says this is a total load of crap this guy needs to be charged and then he ends up being convicted well, Tony Preckwinkle, who Kim Fox is her girl, all of a sudden is apoplectic that 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 uh, he ruled against Kim Fox. So she runs a campaign and starts writing stuff about how the guy is incompetent as a judge and how he he needs to be thrown out. That's the only reason why the guy got a negative vote from anybody. And what have you ever heard of a, of a, of a Cook County chairperson going out against a judge with a, an amazing record because he ruled against her her girl who who, who made a screwed up call? I mean, this is the this is the the uh, amazing. I mean, the the I'm going to say the the bravado of these people. Lori Lightfoot's the same way. It's not it's not it's not because they're black or they're women, but somehow or another they they don't know how to play nice with people at all. And the guy's a judge; he's supposed to make his call. Kim Fox totally screwed that up. Everybody knows it. Now you don't want you want the guys thrown out of judge his judge shot because he ruled against your girl. I mean, it, you know, this is anyway. I'm on a rant here, but as you can tell. I like Judge Tuman. He's had an amazing career, and the article basically sucked. So, 
Sorry, Mike. But this is the society we're in. Sounds like time for a break, doesn't it? Sounds like time for a break. SP Futures down 45. Come back. We'll talk a little bit about soccer. SP Futures down 90. Be right back. Stocks and Jackson. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right there, right now. Right now. Hello, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 4150. Yeah, another day like this. SP Futures down 81. Uh, a whole number on the S&Ps is 3855. We are now Friday. Every day seems like a month in the, in the business these days. 
on Tuesday morning when the CPI number came out and gave us the uh, uh, better than expected, uh, we had a 134 jump in the S&P. I think we clo- we we topped out at 41.38. Now we're 38.56. We're like 280 points lower. That is, that's something other than like the crash in 9/11. I, I mean, I, I've never seen that that kind of move in uh, in two or three days. And it was just, I mean, most people didn't see the the hundred and some point up, and we closed only up 26 that day. But but it was real. I mean, if you're in the business, I mean, if you bought up there, uh, boy, oh boy, uh, that's not a good thing. I mean, this is a uh, this must be recession-related. We seem to have been, we, the, the financial world, seem to have been surprised yesterday by the European Central Bank moving the rates up half a percent. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure why we were, but uh, evidently we were. Some of the, the we's were. The DAX only down 41. They, they were down a bunch yesterday, but today not so much. Now 43.3%, FTSE down. And these guys were were really steady yesterday when everybody else was down a bunch, but not, not so today. Now 93 points, 1.3%, CAC around down 72, 1.1. So we're, we're draining everywhere. We've got the Nikkei down 524, 1.9%. Hang Seng is actually up 82. That's that's the market that's crazy. Uh, was back up from 14.5 now to 19.5. So they're actually hanging in better than anybody else here. And Shanghai was only down 79 cents, so call that one flat. So Asian market's not so bad. Yesterday is a, is a nasty review. Dow down 764, S&P down 99, 99, NASDAQ down 360. We're all into 2.5, NASDAQ 3.25%, but the stocks that are eviscerated are your, your your Amazon, your Apple, the, the big flyers, the fangs that were leading everybody out of the wilderness for a decade are now leading everybody, I don't know where they're leading them, but not, not out of the wilderness. Uh, bonds up 5 basis points, 3.50, almost exactly. The bond up nine basis points, 2.18. Imagine, like a week ago, we were talking about are these guys going to break through 2%. They're almost up to 220. So, yes, uh, Japan unchanged at, two, at 0.25 as they continue to manipulate that number. Oil down 2.2%, a dollar 74, 74.37 the whole number. Brent down a dollar 72, 79.49. Natural gas down 37 cents, 6.59 as this thing continues to be a wild trader. Arbob down three cents to 213. That's why you see your gas price is coming down because the normal spread there is about 80 cents and 80 cents is now slightly under three bucks in some places i guess are under three bucks we're not here uh, gold up five bucks 1792 as gold continues to hang in there around this 1800 number so we're on 25 cents 2305 copper unchanged 375 we've got crypto we got bitcoin down 434 just nipping under 17,000 16999 uh, and we've got the u.s dollar which got absolutely pummeled yesterday uh no, it was yeah, it actually got it was up yesterday. I'm sorry, it was up almost two percent to the to the uh, the uh, the British pound is only it was only 121 now. It was 124 the other day. The euro's down to 106, even though they're pretty much unchanged this morning. A lot of stuff there. Andrew, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? All right, it is uh, 6:39 here in Chicago on December 16th. Uh, we've got a lot of sports today. Uh, we can say that uh, today the Bears play the Eagles. Or no, sorry, Sunday, the Bears play the Eagles at 12 p.m. And for hockey, uh, last night, the Blackhawks lost to the Golden Knights 4-1. to uh, But tonight, maybe we can see them lose again. Uh, the Blackhawks are playing the Wild at 7 p.m. And over in Phoenix, the Coyotes are playing the Islanders, uh, the Islanders at uh, 8.30 Chicago time. Uh, for basketball, the Suns beat the Clippers, ending 111-95. And tonight, the Bulls play the Knicks at 7 p.m. in Chicago. Uh, for weather, 
In Chicago, it is currently 31 degrees, cloudy and kind of windy, and we're going to have a high of 33. Over in Phoenix, it's 40 degrees, clear, and they're going to have a high of 61. And now finally for traffic, it's a pretty simple one today. Uh, a little bit of traffic's building on the inbound roads. Uh, but the only major accident is pretty far out on the outbound Stevenson near Cass Avenue. Um, an accident is blocking the left lane of the, of the outbound road. Uh, however, delays are pretty heavy on both sides. But other than that, no major accidents to report. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. Hey, Kevin, real quick question. Uh, the, uh, the, the Bulls, I mean, the vagaries of the NBA, NBA schedule always are a little odd. Plus, I, w- I wouldn't want to be the guy to, to make it up, but... They're, they played the Knicks two nights ago. They're playing the Knicks tonight, and they're playing the Knicks. They have a whole bunch of games coming up against each other. Yeah, it's eight, three games in eight days. I don't think I've ever seen that before, have you? Yeah, it is kind of weird. So, Mike, well, what's going on with the soccer? Who, who do you like? Uh, my, my nephew uh, is – all right, got to get Mike back in. Okay. So, Kevin, I was, I, was, I was a little bit of a rant there, but the reason why uh, I'm ranting a little bit on this is – I don't know if you, you hear a story about the kid in Milwaukee, the 10-year-old that blew away his mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a uh, he. Uh, He's a good kid who did a bad thing. Yeah, well, so the, again, the 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 judge is getting uh, uh, all kinds of grief because he won't let the kid go, and the kid's ten years old. The judge's like, "Where's he going to go? He just blew away his mother. There's nobody else at home. I mean, it's not like anybody's dying to take take care of the kid. It's, it's just it's just weird. I mean, I don't know. We seem like we, I don't know. I don't. We no, feel- I'm here now, Tom. What's up? No, I was just talking about uh, the producer got me going about the two 12-year-olds, the 10-year-old kid in Milwaukee who just blew away his mother because she didn't buy him the well, right he- headset. I don't want to have you go on another rant, no. but there's a there's a writer for the Washington Post. His name is Colbert King, and he writes about uh, African-American crime all the time, and he points out the same flaws in the system that that you're, you were talking about, you know, uh, young uh, black Americans, you know, know the system well, and unfortunately, uh, you know, they manipulate it. So, you know, the do-gooders, that's all well and good, but, you know, unfortunately, we need to have some sort of a, a functional justice system. I would agree. Hey, is, is soccer the only place left that has a cancellation game? I, mean, I, uh, I think so. But, uh, you know, that's a very good point. And that game is uh, tomorrow, probably at 10 o'clock, Eastern time anyways, and it's Croatia versus Morocco. And Croatia, you know, I would say uh, they should win it because Morocco just can't seem to score any goals. So we'll see how that one plays out. They they just lack it. I mean, they played really good D. They only... It allowed one goal up until the other game the other day, right? Right until the and and really the the one goal that they had allowed was an own goal. So you know one of their guys scored the goal. You know trying to play defense. So uh, Morocco can definitely play some defense, but you know they they do not have uh, well they they don't have enough offense to to carry them. Well, who do you like in this other one? My my nephew says that. Messi's probably the best right now, but next year the guy in France will pass him up or something along those lines, is it? Oh, uh, okay. You know, that's a really good question, and uh, I think it's going to be a wide-open game. Uh, whoever scores first will definitely have the advantage, 
And, you know, Messi is trying to will Argentina to win. You know, I mean, he is, he's a very, very talented goal scorer and playmaker. I think he's a better playmaker than goal scorer, but, you know, he, he obviously has more goals than anybody else in the world. But I think France has the speed and the capability to beat Argentina. Now, Argentina has some fast guys also. Those two guys that, uh, uh, well, the one guy that scored, I think his name is Julian Alvarez. He scored, uh, well, he had the, uh, he set up the penalty that Messi scored. I mean, he was the one that got fouled. And then he scored a goal, a really nice goal later. So, I mean, that guy has, probably Mbappe speed but France has Mbappe they have a guy named Dembala that plays on the right side and uh, and then their their playmaker is Griezmann and those three playing up front are really very dynamic and and even if Argentina uh, you know scores but it France has the capability to come back. And you'll see a lot of that counterattacking that goes on. You know, Argentina will be down in the French end, and they'll try to, something will happen, and then France will just come roaring back with a fast counterattack, and that could end up being how France scores their first goal. So, you know, it'll just be, I think it'll be a very exciting game. I don't think it'll be too dull. Well, the, uh, it's surprising to me. I mean, obviously, you're way more expert at this than me. All those guys are at the top of the, of the gene, the gene pool when it comes to running and quickness, and yet all of a sudden one guy will break out, and he's got he's he's dribbling the ball, and he's still like leaving the other guys somewhat in the dust. There's always there's like a few guys there that just really do stand out. It's it's I guess it's like anywhere else. There's always be somebody a little faster. Yeah, but it's 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 the same as other sports, Tom. Where you know you have the 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 skater with the hockey puck uh, who, who is just as fast with it as not or the point guard who uh, who uh, you know the ball doesn't slow him down and uh, that's always a, a big differentiator in any sport that you know mo- most players even among the most talented players in the world most players still are slowed down a little bit when they have the ball the puck or, you know whatever whatever the object is um, but uh, but the ones who don't are the ones that bear watching because uh, they are they're they're the ones that are going to really cause havoc. Mike, are the are the positions that different anymore? I mean, it, like you know, could a defenseman play front line t- tomorrow? Or it, it seems like these guys are also skilled in everything. Or or are the is a midfielder like a different guy than the front guy or the back guy? Or are they all just kind of. They're all just like really good, maybe just slightly better at one thing than the other than the other people. No, I think some of these guys are groomed, you know, by the position. The strikers, you know, like Giroux on France, and that's another guy that I forgot to mention. You know, he's he's definitely a striker. I mean, his forte is offense. The midfielders can do both. You know, they play forward and they play back. Uh, and Griezmann is a good example of just an absolute quality midfielder. Uh, Messi, uh, you know, it's funny. He is, you know, he's just dynamic, but there are times when he will come back and help on defense. Like when Argentina went up the other day, you know, Messi was helping on defense. You don't normally see that from him, 
But, uh, you know, for the World Cup, that's why I'm saying he's he's trying to will Argentina to victory. And, and those young guys are really, uh, you know, following him or, you know, they're getting their game from him. He, he's just leading them just in such a, a fashion. I just – I didn't know that Messi had that capability. But he's obviously – uh, one of the well, he is the most prolific goal scorer in history, and his teams always win. You know, he's been in several different leagues, and they're consistently winners. Well, he sort of seems like when he's got the ball, it takes like a couple of guys to track him down. That makes makes a big difference, I would assume. If, if well, the guy, you're if, absolutely right, and that's the advantage that France has with Mbappe because I don't know if you saw it the other day. You know. There were five guys on Mbappe when he was going into the middle of the field. So that, you know, that obviously frees somebody else up, and then that guy gets an easy shot on goal. Well, the sports, isn't sports, no matter what it is, even though they're all so different, aren't they all the same? If somebody's good enough to draw a double team in basketball, there's somebody open, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, what, I have a, uh, a real stupid question. Does the guy who gets hacked, I'll use a basketball term, the, the foul is committed on. Is he the guy who has to take the kick, or can anybody? No, anybody can take the kick. Well, that's so. In other words, anybody could shoot your free throw if it was basketball. Well, and th- and that's what happened uh, when Messi took the penalty shot. Um, Alvarez was the guy that was fouled in the box, but then Messi ends up taking the penalty kick. Was it always like that? It seems that seems a little weird from other sports. No, I think it's always been like that. But, you know, that's a good question, Tom. I don't know the history of soccer enough to tell you that one. It would seem like the guy who got hacked. like a technical foul, Tom, where you can pick your shooter. Yeah, well, obviously. So, uh, Mike, uh, you're not not Mr. Market, but what do you you make of this? And what do you make about what's with this FTX? Now they're they're talking about clawbacks on the people who got the money. They try to do the same thing with the people with the Bernie Madoff because Bernie actually paid some people off. And there was all kinds of, uh, you know, rumors of mob influence and who got paid off and the Russian guys got paid off. And who was the guy that up in the bottom of the pool that he was one of the guys that got paid off and nobody, somebody else was not happy with this? Is, I'm talking about uh, the, the Madoff situation. Um, it's Yesterday I, I kind of went off on a little bit of a rant too, which I shouldn't have, but had to do with why all of a sudden, I mean, I don't, I, you know, I, you know, you've known me forever. I don't ever want anybody to lose money. I don't ever want to get hurt. Uh, but when people specifically say, "Up your, up your organization," you know, we don't want to, st- we don't want to be with PTI or Merrill Lynch or anybody. Notice how I, I put myself in the same se- sentence as Merrill Lynch. Uh, we don't want to be any of those guys. We're gonna, we're gonna give money to some guy overseas where we know there's no regulation. We know that when a guy, you know, lends the the Bitcoin out, there's no mechanism of doing that. I don't even know if there's any documents that say that they can do it with your stuff. I mean, we're going to do that on purpose. We're going to do all that. As, as to why all of a sudden when they get nailed, which I didn't want to see happen, why all of a sudden it becomes everybody's fault here? Is it just regulators wanting to get their face on TV or what? I mean, at some point you got to say, hey, you made your decision. Maybe next time you won't do that. I mean, we don't want to do that to anybody who lost a lot of money. I get that. But somewhere along the line, you got to you got to tell the truth here. Don't, I mean, is it just me? Well, Tom, I kind of agree with you on that, you know, you know, people that were dealing in Bitcoin or, you know, whatever, you know, it's speculation. Well, to me, it's speculation. I'm a very good uh, investor. Well, on, 
on Fox uh, Business Network, uh, Dagan McDowell uh, has for months and months been referring to this as uh, electronic beanie babies. Yeah. Well. So it's not like there's nobody out there saying uh, this is, uh, you know, what are you doing? Um, there, there are plenty of people doing that. Well, what do you make of uh, trying to do clawbacks from some of the people like this Binance? They somehow got it. They sold the co- tokens back to. I think they sold the tokens of the federal or FTX, or they or they sold them. Maybe they sold them on the open market. Anyway, they got two billion dollars for the for these tokens. It ended up being worthless. Now, the question is, did, did they did they know something in advance? Did they know there was going to be a bankruptcy? Because if you, uh, I'm not you know I'm no bankruptcy attorney, but if if all of a sudden you know I'm going to declare bankruptcy and I and I owe Mike you know a hundred grand and I I give Mike a check. I declare bankruptcy like like next month, and there's ten other people that owed money. There's a time frame on that at which they can say to Mike, "Hey, wait, wait a minute! You you, you didn't deserve your whole hundred. You deserve ten cents on a dollar, like everybody else." And I and, that, and yeah, I kind of think UCC two would demand that you uh, you do this in good faith. Yeah, and I um, and uh, so then the uh, question is, are they bankruptcy laws here? Are the Bahamas involved? There seems to be a a, a, a turf fight there. This is this is really a mess, and uh, and, and uh, I, you know you you wonder how this is all going to come down, and, I, and it is so complicated, and you wonder why anybody let it get to this stage in the first place. I mean, if if anybody well, was really fouled, you know, that's a good question, Tom, and I, you know, and I don't you know know enough about it, but it seems to me, and this is some of my bias, of course, but the. Uh, the Democrats, you know, they pulled those shenanigans with, uh, you know, what's his name, SBF, you know, Bankman Freed. He he was going to testify, and then they all of a sudden they're uh, prosecuted. You know, they the charges are are levied, and then he's he's not testifying. So who was he going to expose when he testified? And I would say it's you know. Well, who knows? I I don't want to even get into more. Well, Mike, it's, it's it's somewhat of a common theme uh, for the show. You know, it's one of the one of the ten themes I guess I have. It's when people give this money out to people. Like the guy gave all this money to. Well, I mean, he gave money to the University of California for for their stadium. He gave money to Miami Heat. I mean, I I don't know that he gets anything that other than psychic income. Uh, you know, but he gave. I I think he's the guy. I I should check this hundred percent, but. Somebody gave, uh, uh, you know, probably don't know, but we had a lady on the, on the show, Karen Reeves, who was running for congressman, Bobby Rush's district, congressperson. And there were a bunch of people in the, in the loop. One of them was Jesse Jackson's kid. And like three weeks or two weeks before the election, he gets a million bucks from one of the crypto places, which I have to assume was FTX. And all of a sudden he has all these, you know, he had the name, but he also gets on, on the air when nobody else had money for commercials, and he wins. Now, I... I Honestly, the guy must have just winging money around like you know, like a drunken sailor, maybe. Or you like to think that most people are rational. I mean, if you went to the University of Chicago, that's always what they drilled into your head. People are rational. But what exactly was that guy expecting to get out of a first-year congressperson, or just the fact that he was that he would help out people if they needed it or in a campaign? What was the? I mean, where does where were they going to get a million dollars worth of of money back or? From a first-year congressperson from Illinois, who nobody cares about. I mean, you you gotta wonder. And now the question is: He gave all his money to Democrats, but he also had a guy in the operation who was kind of a mystery dude 
that snuck a lot of money to Republicans, probably not as above board on kind of the black market. So the Democrats... Oh, yes and no, Tom. Before we, before we state that as fact, remember... The only uh, <laughs> there's only one guy saying that happened, and he and we already know that guy's a liar. So <laughs> he may be he may be absolutely telling the truth, and I would not be the slightest bit surprised. But I'd really like to hear more about that before I consider well, it. Well, I, I guess I don't. I don't. If, if you're if you're currying favor, and if you're, I mean, Mike, there's there's people in the Chicago that you know that we went to school with that have been in the political process for a while. And basically, if you get an ounce of brains, you give money to both sides. You can't you can't get curry favor with just one side. I mean, if you actually right, want, but lo- but, he, but he, what he's telling us is, I gave money to the Democrats above board, where you can where you can see what I did, and I gave it to the Republicans as dark money. Well, yeah. and not, nowhere near as much. I mean, um, I, don't, I don't think you give the Republicans why? as much. You know, I I, I I have a lot of questions about that. That. May get answered, and and so I'm not saying yes, I'm not saying no, but this is the very guy who was running the whole damn thing anyway, and and so I don't consider him a particularly credible source. Uh, I I, w- I agree with you, Kevin, on that one. He's and Tom, as you already stated, this whole thing is a mess, and uh, you know, but unfortunately, Bankman Freed's at the center of it, and as you just said. We think he's a liar. So, you know, who's pulling the strings, and and why are the strings being pulled? Well, and, and is is yeah, that is when the it stuff comes to the when it comes to the his arrest? You know, the operative question is: okay, we know why he's being arrested. Why now? And you know, and, and as you said, Mike, the timing is uh, is suspicious, and, um, uh, and and that that isn't all that's suspicious about it. Um, but uh, you know, I, I absolutely you know the, the most obvious conclusion, the most likely conclusion is everybody said we got we can't have this guy talking in front of Congress. Uh, that, that probably is it. What uh, plus? Why would you want? Why would his attorney want him to? I mean, it's another question. I mean, why would anybody? I think his attorney may have put a stop to it, but I I don't you know. Look, we're talking about a loose cannon here, and we're and and, and you're talking <laughs> about a certain kind of. Um, mindset too that you know that thinks i mean how, how can you commit a crime like that how can you run an operation like that without thinking you're better than everybody else these people are all chumps and they deserve it i'm going to say so that you, in you, his you mind have a whole pathology that goes with this i think that is is you know is the kind of thing that would say let me put on my show in front of congress but these people are are such believers Kevin and there's been a few on CNBC that still talk about the Bitcoin, which is different than FTX. I get that. That they are such believers. This guy thought that by today, Bitcoin would be eighty to a hundred thousand bucks. And you know what? If he if it was, we wouldn't hear any of this stuff. All the fake money wouldn't be fake. It'd still be it'd still be you know. Uh, oh, it'd pri- be fake. It'd just be undiscovered. It'd just be undiscovered right. yet. But if it, if it never. But I got a quick question, and I don't know if you, either one of you know the answer. Is politi- are political contributions? I mentioned earlier. I, I'm no bankruptcy bankruptcy attorney, but I, I gave Mike hundred thousand bucks and declared bankruptcy tomorrow. It's probably coming back. Are political contributions or contributions to the University of California are are they are they subject to clawback? I, I have no idea, Tom. Uh, I mean, is Jesse Jackson's kid going to get the call? We want our million back. Oh no! I because he could probably say he's already spent it. So how, why would he have to, you know, give it back? 
Well, I don't know. I'm just saying there's a lot of money there. Wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah, that's well, true. They, yeah, they're they're asking at the uh, they were asking at the um, uh, press briefing, the White House press briefing yesterday. Is the uh, is the president going to give it back? And it's great because Karine Jean Pierre uh, keeps saying um, she's uh, she can't comment on it. She's bound by the Hatch Act. In what way would the Hatch Act apply here? I thought the Hatch Act had to do with ships. No, no, the Hatch Act is you know federal workers cannot. Okay. Uh, participate nor talk in campaigns while they are working. Ah. Well, I mean, Durbin, the Illinois well, Senator on the other Durbin. Hand, this is not a question that is about, you know, uh, um, campaigning. This is a question about the Biden campaign itself. Now, if she wanted to, if she wanted to look and say, "I refer you to the," uh, uh, I, I forget who ran this campaign. I refer you to that person. Cool. You know what? I, I'd buy that as an answer, but this Hatch Act thing is just a load of crap. Well, I, real well, quick, I'll let you guys that's, go. That's how she's evading the question, Kevin. I mean, you've already. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. You know that. no, that's what I mean. Well, I got a she's, real quick question, uh, all Senator. In on load of crap. Quick question, and we got a dash for you know, Carl. But be a nice name for a rock band. Uh, Senator Durbin here got some money from the guy. Now he's he's kicking that money to charity, but. Why charity? Why not? Why that's not, why not why helping the people who lost their money? That's what I'm saying. Why, why not kick into the bankruptcy proceeding? I, I don't. I mean, charity's always good. But, but uh, anyway, Mike, uh, I assume we'll have you on Monday. We'll talk about who won, right? And, okay, uh, Tom, that's fine. Kevin, we'll talk to you uh, on Wednesday, if not before. SP Futures up 34. We're, we're down 34. We're actually rallied back from the 45, but still looking pretty lousy. Nasdaq down 50. Be right back, Mr. Carl Denninger. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. 
Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tamau, Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 32, NASDAQ Futures down 52. This is actually better than earlier, but still not exactly a bounce from yesterday. We could use a little bounce. Uh, my client sure could, especially in some of these stocks, but they're not getting it today. Uh, well, we got Apple Unchanged. It's down four cents. Amazon. Most, most, you know, these stocks are just. Uh, it's, it's hard to even think of the amount of money. I'm gonna have to do another calculation next week. But Amazon was 170 bucks in March, and now it's 88. I mean, these things are, I mean, they're, they're being obliterated. And uh, they all have, you know, I, I'm actually, I will do this for Monday, I promise. I will go through the uh, my, my list and I'll go back to the top five or six stocks and how much market share they're down in just this year. And it's it, not market share, but market valuation. It's it's mind-boggling. Now, whether they should have ever been up there before, we're not. We're still not down to where we were when COVID started. Uh, but, you know, at uh, 33 points a day, it won't take long. Carl, how are you? I'm doing well. You know, um, it's interesting that you bring that up. You know, Apple. Just as let's just let's just pick on Apple because I I really enjoy picking on Apple and <laughs> and uh, Mr. Crook as I call him. Um, so in 2019, uh, before which of course was before COVID, uh, on a split adjusted basis, uh, Apple was trading about fifty dollars. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got a 20 year chart up here in front of me right now as I'm talking here. I just pulled that up when you mentioned them. Um, so, uh, did Apple really uh, do something like invent working uh, 10 times exponential increase output fusion in the last three years? Uh, no. Okay. Um, so why did their price triple? Well, they have amazing margin margins for something of that size. I I, I fully understand that. However, um, can can we look at uh, the last triple in the company and recognize that it took uh, two to three times as long? Well, the uh, I think a lot of it had to do with, as you know, the the money pumped into the system. Everything got blown up. They got blown oh, up. oh. Yeah, see, I do know that. I, you know, of course, I was baiting you a little bit there, but that's okay because you know we're friends. Well, Carl, um, why, why you, Amazon? Okay, why are you doing that? Oh. Uh, did basically the same thing, except they've almost round trip now. Well, actually, yeah. they have round trip. I was looking at their chart. You know what they used to call that on the uh, trading floor? Well, you know what I used to. Well, you know what I call Amazon? Oh well, that's Amazon. Well, they, it's called the U-turn. <laughs> 
Right. Where, where, where well, and, and yeah, it looks like one. Yeah. <laughs> if you take a look at their, you know, their uh, their weekly chart of twenty years. Um, but all of this came out of all of this cheap money nonsense. And as I have repeatedly pointed out to people, if you give me an ever declining interest rate environment, I can show good earnings without actually producing anything. Okay, I don't, I don't have to. I don't have to break new ground. I don't have to do anything innovative. I don't. I don't, I don't have to do anything. And the reason is, um, I want to spend a million dollars, so I go borrow it. Now it's gone because I spent it. And then, well, that's a problem because you know. But now I can borrow two million, and the interest that I have to pay to keep the two million out is less than the interest I had to pay to keep the one million out. Well, plus, so, I mean, your, your your margin when you're down to. Two percent. I mean, you you could have a really crummy business if your margin be five percent and you're still a winner. Well, that's right. But the, but the, the other thing is that I don't actually have to have a margin because every time it, it, in corporate America, and this is something in, until I actually started running a a real business, not you know not a little uh, a, a little shop, almost literally in a garage that was making PCs for corporations in Chicago, which is where MCS started. Um, and, and doing a little bit of contract programming, but but a real company, you know, with a with a nice expensive office and you know thirty employees and, and all that all that fancy stuff, right? When I started doing that, all of a sudden it dawned on me that looking around in the landscape, that none of the companies that we did business with or for ever paid off a nickel of any of the debt that they took on. Ever. Well, you're. I, I think, though, Carl. I mean, and in, in, in we did a lot of this work in grad school, and I still remember some of it. Uh, and Milton Friedman was an advocate of your actually your your long term bond is really just a it's really just a stock with a different name. It's, right. It's a long term, and to to start from the I'll give a real simple example if you can bear with me. If if you and I have a company and we we got and it's we put five million dollars into it. And all of a sudden, the thing is making five hundred thousand a year. Okay, so we're making ten percent. We're doing pretty good. We got five million in the place, and we're making five hundred thousand. And all of a sudden, if this is a hot dog stand, make it simple, and we say, "Boy, there's a town just over to over to over the hill has the same demographics as ours. They like hot dogs the same as we do." If we if we put another five million over there. There's no reason to think that we shouldn't get five hundred thousand back and make ten percent on that as well. Now, but somebody's going to say, "Okay, you're making ten percent. If you can go out and get some long-term financing for five percent, and oh by the way, you got five million in capital, so to go out and say put I don't want to make it as complicated. I'll say if we borrow the second five, now you could do you could say we're going to put up only two and a half and borrow. There, there's a conservative way to do this and an intelligent way to do this, and then there's the the FTX, there's the leverage way to do this, right? So right. We, we could say, instead of coming up with another 5 mil out of our pockets, we'll come up with 4. You know, so now we're 9 million equity and, and, one, and 1 million uh, long-term debt <clears throat> that we're paying 5% on. And, uh, and, and by the way, we're making 10. So if you do the math, our return is going to be slightly other, above 5%. It's going to be, well, it's going to be 5 divided by 5 times divided by four times five, right, for the second for the second part. So it's going to, our return on the second second place, now because we're borrowing 100000 
is going to or a million is going to be six percent or six and a half instead of the right. Or I mean, I'm sorry, twelve percent instead of ten. So so if we say wait a minute, we're going to borrow it all. Well, now we're paying five percent on some. So instead of making uh, five hundred thousand, we're making two fifty. But guess what? Two fifty is now we're now making seven fifty against our five hundred thousand. So we're making you know whatever's that fifteen percent. So but with the problem with that is when you when you reach the end of the road, now you've got nothing but debt. So well, that's right. It, yeah, it, it, yeah it, it, not only do you now have nothing but debt, but the cost of that service the next time it rolls over destroys you. But if you catch it right. I mean, if you can catch it right, well, but you, but you have yeah. to be able to get rid of it before. <laughs> See, <laughs> chief, go take a look at any of these firms. I mean, you know, this is this is all in the basic statistics. You can get off Yahoo Finance or off Edgar on the SEC site or yeah, wherever you want to go. Grab it. Go look at the basic statistics. What is the the Free cash flow after operate the actual net cash flow after operations of the company, and using that in a twelve month period, can they retire the, the indebtedness? Oh, I'm. I'm we're, we're, and, the we're, answer, and the answer in all of these cases is no. I'm, I'm, and then on the theory and on the management side of it, you know, you and I are spot on. However, sometimes, Carl, that's not the way. Our world works. The, well, I, uh, look, I get that, but what I'm what I'm saying is that the reality of it, whether you like it or not, is that what hap- what's going to happen at some point, because nobody has a crystal ball and can be exactly right all the time about being able to get in front of this. I mean, if you if you let's say that let's say the retiring what are you whatever you have outstanding would take five years of using all of your net cash after operations. Okay, so you know, you paid you paid all your bills, you paid your taxes, you paid your employees, you paid your rent on your building, you paid you know all your operating supplies, whatever have you. And it would take you five years to retire it using what's left. Now during that period of time, if you were to do that, your stock price would get destroyed because you you have basically zero EPS, right? Well, except okay. No, but here's here's where I'm going with this. I'm not. I'm, I'm absolutely not arguing with you a bit, because but you're you and I have lived our entire life, business life in in the rational rational person's way of doing things. Okay, and, and there's no doubt that MCS does not want to go out on a limb and grab so much stuff because you sit there and go, hey, business, business. You know, I can't count on five years from now, I, I want to be in a position where I can absorb some stuff. But we also know that if the Resolution Trust, which a lot of people don't remember, was a lot of places where <clears throat> all these all these places went under, and guess what? The government gave certain people money for like next to nothing to, right. go, to go buy the crap. Now I'm going to say is downtown real estate in Chicago has got a problem. I mean, Jan talks about foreclosures every couple of weeks. I'm going to say that the rational Carl Denninger and the rational Tom Howe if all of a sudden it's two years from now and these places are going for 20 cents on the buck and the government says, I'm willing to give money to people, <laughs> like 3%, to go buy these things up and do something with them, I'm going to say you and I will be 95% leveraged. What do we care? It's not our dough. And by the well, way... That's, that's, by the way, that's the problem that comes with, with you know, so-called public companies in the general sense, okay, is that it's not your dough. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that... 
one of the reasons, if you, if, you know, remember back to the Solomon Brothers days, right, which, you know, was when I was a young pup from a business perspective, and then most of the, well, essentially all the people who are running money today, other than folks like you and I, uh, they they were, you know, they were a, a dream in their dad's mind, right? Yeah. They, they didn't exist yet. So, when you look at that, the reason you didn't have this kind of thing happen in the general sense within the world of finance is that those firms were all partnerships. Goldman Sachs, all these all these different companies, they were partnerships. Yep. It was your money. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, but, if, but and, I think, but and, I think and you, by the way, you had unlimited personal liability. So it wasn't just your money; it was also your mansion. But we've seen, we've seen, Carl. That the, the difference is, is if you and I were able to get free money. By the way, this is what happened during the mortgage crisis. People were borrowing money at two percent in Japan and investing at six percent here. Right. And it, it had nothing to do with equity. But but say but you and I I think would be in a situation. I mean I I can only imagine us arguing over which building we wanted to buy and, and what color we were going to make the lobby. We'd be we'd be like the Bickersons. But uh, I but I also know that when we sold the first building, the one thing we are going to agree on over a beer is we're going to lighten this debt load with the with the first chunk of change we get. Other people are saying we're we're really on board now. We can buy three other places, right? I mean, look at look at how much GE Capital made. Now, I don't know if they ever participated in that resolution trust. They claim they didn't. I've read. Oh they God, did. The, the GE Capital thing. I mean, my dad nearly got creamed by you know by that blow up. Yeah, but I mean, for okay. how many? And I mean, because because they were issuing these these acceptance note things. I rather rather clever little bit of uh, corporate financial shenanigans. Uh, and and we're paying a very attractive rate of interest for money that was parked there, which looked like a whole lot better than a than a money market account, okay, um, or you know, or in treasuries. Uh, and yeah, it was, except for one problem: if something went wrong, your principal was all gone. Well, but they 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 got drunk with the power. They got drunk with the leverage. Well, yeah, and, and you know what? He got out of them, and, and when, I, when he told me he was in them, I said, Dad, if, the, you know, if, if there is any kind of a recession, any sort of a problem, and this was before the 07 08 blow-up, when, of course, you know, it all went to hell for them. I said, if anything like that happens, you're going to end up with a zero. Your principal's gone. You're not going to care about the, the, you know, the interest payments because that's going to be irrelevant. <laughs> But they, what they did, Carl, and you know this, the listeners, I, I know I'm kind of skipping around, but it's all, it's all the same. This, this last five subjects I brought up are all the same subject. I mean, what's, what, what, was the, what was the guy who was the, that no, wasn't Sam Zell. Who the hell was the head of uh, G at the time? Uh, he, married, he, he dumped his wife and married the, the lady who was writing his biography. What the hell was his name? Well, I'll think of it. Uh, anyway, the, he... They they looked at the in the 1980s with all this stuff blowing up, and they said, you know what, we've got a AAA rating, of which maybe right. what four firms had. We can we can borrow this money 90 day paper, and we can buy all these places, which right, if, and that was exactly what they did. Which is if you were going to say to any first first semester financial student, you would say, the last thing you want to do is borrow short term and, and invest long term because you can really get screwed. Uh, but short term at the time was fifteen percent. Every single month, not every single month, but every six months, that number went down. So if you were if you could pay fifteen percent money and buy something 
cheap enough to where your return is going to be 20 25 percent but they it's but they never GE capital became bigger than the rest of GE they became bigger yeah. than than the, than the uh, aircraft engines better bigger than lights bigger than washing machines they almost at a point where they they didn't invite the other schmucks to the party you're 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 just a bleep you make washing machines I don't even have to do anything I just borrow from one guy do the other and make dough and play golf it's I mean it, it almost became the difference in the two halves of the company was almost laughable. Just to just I know, and and you know what? But but here we are today, okay. And then you look at you look at this thing that you know what what happened with 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 the crypto stuff. And I have I have noticed a really nasty correlation since this latest round of blowups happened with Alameda and all of this, and we just saw it again last night, and and. People who do not take this as a serious warning, I, I think you're about to get spanked coming into the new year and, and probably for the next several years. If you look at, at you know, we overnight we had this really nasty dump uh, right at two o'clock in the morning in the futures. Yep. Okay, things were pretty flat up until that point. Yeah, they were dead flat so when I went sudden, to bed. All of a sudden, there's a you know the fifty handle swan dive, right? <laughs> okay, go take a look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin futures, and right at about two o'clock in the morning, Bitcoin takes a header, and we're talking about a thousand dollars almost. Yeah, it's come back some. Right? Well, I, I understand that, yeah. but the but the thing is, that's the. Uh, I mean, I'm looking. I've I've my normal trading desk. I have currency correlations, all sorts of stuff up there that usually moves markets. Okay, and currency correlations are one of the big ones because, of course, the, you know the foreign exchange market is so huge. There's no signal in any of those in the middle of the night. None. The entire signals in Bitcoin. <laughs> if you think that these shenanigans are somehow limited to cryptocurrency and are not essentially the basis for a huge part of the ramp job that's happened over the last three or four years. Inequities, you're crazy. Well, we have something worth nothing trading sixty thousand. Yeah. Well, where do you think the money's going after? You know, I mean, it's that's the problem. Is and, and this is the the general issue that Powell and all Fed governors have always had to deal with. You can, you can control systemic liquidity, which is what the Fed does. You cannot control where the inflation goes. Uh, no. Well, let's. In, well, in, and that's and, and guess what? It went here and then reflected back into the equity market. But it, 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 in some cases, when you're when you're doing it properly, that's also normal and healthy economically. To a point, yeah. To a point. But but the problem is, is they weren't doing it normal and healthy, right? And and they have zero control over where this thing went. And now you know, here we are. Good morning. Um, well, I, I think Carl, we have it, it, we have some fabric we have some fabric of market issues uh, that I, I, I've been I talk about from time to time, mostly with uh, uh, well, I used to talk about a lot with Mike uh, before Mike moved away, uh, but he there, there's there's and I, and I talk about him somewhat sometimes with you, but by and large, it, there's I mean there, I don't know, I mean granted, everybody wants to do this all day long. It's it's their you know I don't I don't know what it is trading and so forth. Obviously, it's my life, so I can't criticize, but. Uh, I think the world would make a lot more sense if we only traded from 
eight to three or something, or eight to whatever hell we trade. I, I don't I don't know that. Uh, in in my when I started, I seem to recall so damn long ago, Carl. But when IBM or, or these places would come out with earnings, I think you would stop the trading at ten o'clock. They'd come out with the earnings. You'd have the conference call and you'd reopen at ten thirty. When people right. when people are around, I don't what what, what is. I don't I don't trade Bitcoin, but I do for my clients trade all the other stuff that you talked about, the futures and everything, and a few guys even do the dollar and so forth. But I don't. What what am I supposed to do in the middle of the night if I all of a sudden have a problem? And I got to dump God knows how many Bitcoins, or I need to buy a hundred futures. There, there's some liquidity there, more than you might expect in the middle of the night. But still, it's not. How healthy is it necessarily to have these outliers? I mean, if if we if the CPI number would have come out. At, at uh, 10 o'clock the other day, I don't think you'd have had a 135-hour strike uh, spike. There would have been somebody there. Right now, the people who get, make these markets in these off hours, not that they don't get killed sometimes. I'm sure they do. But for God's sake, I, mean, I think the computers just pull, uh-oh, it looks like there's buying interest. Let's just pull all the offers. And the, the first market order pays up 100 and he goes, what did I just do? Well, yeah, that's, uh, and I mean, that's one of the problems that, uh, you know, that essentially, for the most part, um, except for certain opportunities that I see here and there, uh, got me away from it. Is that I I can't be faster than that machine. Well, if you're the one who's making the market, all you do is pull the offers. I mean, there's no. Well, I understand. I yeah. understand it. But what I'm saying is that I can't. I I have no defense as a retail guy against that sort of thing. Oh, without a doubt. Okay, and then what's going to happen to me is I'm going to get a bad fill on the wrong side of the transaction, and I'm going to be, you know, 30 handles off my market where I wanted to be. Well, you also get a situation that the people who are, quote, making the markets, you've allowed them to see the order coming. Well, that's right, and and and, and they're faster than I am because they're in front of my order, and they can get in front of my order. I'm going to say, Carl, as slow as, well, our system's pretty quick, but as slow as, and yours probably is too, but as slow as we are relatively, if you tell me the order's coming, I like my chances. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not Citadel, but I'm, but I'm pretty good. If you, t- if you tell me there's, there's an order for 500 spoos coming down the pike, I can make money. Oh yeah, if, if, but that's if yeah. you know. Well, right? they, they know and they make the market, which is, which is two advantages. Right. It, it's, it's, but see, the thing is, is that you used to, you know, you were in this when you, when you sat on a floor. But I was there to make the market, so I had some time and place advantage because I well, knew I a lot of. That. But I also, but, but I, but I never saw an order coming at me. These guys get well, both. Yeah. These guys get both. That that's too much. The other, the other thing, though, you know, <laughs> speaking of scams, since uh, since I said I was going to talk about this today, some, you know, this fusion thing that's blown up everywhere, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. CNN. All right, back is, up, back up to the story because I don't know. We can't assume everybody read it. Okay, so so the the headline on all the media is that over unity fusion has been achieved. In other words, more energy came out than we put in. Okay, now this has been a holy grail because obviously that you can make something happen is it has always been true. You can make any chemical reaction happen that you want. You can make gasoline, you can make diesel oil out of carbon. Out of you can distill CO two out of the atmosphere to get the carbon and make diesel fuel. It's technically and, and chemically that is not impossible. A lot of people don't understand that. However, the the laws of thermodynamics say you cannot win, you cannot break even, and you also can't avoid playing the game. 
Okay, so the three, that's, that's, that's an easy distillation of thermodynamics into three sentences. So what that means is you have to put more energy in than you get back out, which means it's a losing proposition. Right. Okay. All right. So the, the, premise, the, the problem we've always had with fusion is we can make fusion happen. We've been able to do that for a long time. However, it takes more energy to put into it to make it happen than you get back out. Fusion is, is taking two hydrogen atoms with enough energy and making them into a helium atom, which gives you some, some, some energy that comes off, but not as much as you put in up until the other day. Correct. That's that's right, and so th- what they said was they had they had broken the code on that basically. Okay, now that's not theoretically that's not impossible because E equals mc squared, all right, and that's that's the you know the basic reaction for energy when there's when there is a nuclear reaction involved, and so there's in theory this is a possible thing to do. Well, the problem is they didn't actually get over unity energy output they lied not they didn't lie a little either they used lasers to create the fusion and they got more energy out of the fusion reaction than went in in the form of the laser beams so that sounds like a win right it does actually okay now here's the problem it took 100 times as much energy to charge the lasers as the lasers produced why would that be? Because that's what it takes to create lasers, to, to create a laser beam at that level of energy. That's how much energy okay, it took. So they, so they counted the energy in the beam. They didn't count the inefficiency of making the beam. That's correct. Okay. Which was 100 to 1. So we're not even close. We're no closer than we were 50 years ago. Uh, okay, well then why, why all of a sudden did that, did that catch such fire in the press? Because the press wants you to believe that green energy is just around the corner and you can get rid of your gas-powered car, and they're lying, and they know it. And if you read the actual article that was on NPR, no less, okay, it was actually disclosed in the last couple of paragraphs. Yeah, you know, I did read that in the last couple of paragraphs. I'm not totally shocked at what you're telling me. I did say something about they didn't count... All the all the energy they needed to get the laser beam together. They didn't count all of it. They didn't count any of it. Well, that's even worse. <laughs> okay, I mean that's kind of like saying, you know, I could, boy, I could, hey, Amazon, Amazon stock is you know is trading eighty eight dollars. I have an eighty eight dollar profit. Would you pay for it, you idiot? Well, what? Uh, let's come back from break. Let's go a little bit further on the on the uh, the Bitcoin. Uh, in terms of how it's affecting, you said last night it affected the rest of the market. What is, we're, we're getting down to spots, uh, and I'm gonna, I should, I'll go to the uh, FINRA today, or I think they're the ones that keep the track, used to be the New York Stock Exchange, uh, of margin interest. And I have to believe we're, we're, we're reaching a point uh, that we've got some margin problems with people. Uh, I mean, we're probably well past that. I, I haven't heard from any firms that their people are, are being getting margin calls by the day. And I, we're the part of this. God, we don't have anybody like that. We, we, I don't think we've ever really had a client that uses us to, you know, here buy me two hundred thousand dollars IBM. By the way, here's a hundred thousand. We, it's not that we don't right. have people that, that have margin to transfer stuff in, and where they got a two million dollar account, and they might have a, you know, two hundred thousand dollar margin loan. We really don't have anybody who just uses us on full margin that I know of. I mean, we might have some people do some futures over at IB or something, but, uh, you know, it is an issue, and we have people that have essentially use their margin to buy homes. I mean, this, this is all, 
the one thing there's I'd say Carl that the one thing people should take from this show even if they don't like us but I think they do uh, is all this stuff somehow is it's all tied together that's the beauty of economics every, yeah every, it's, it's, well that's exactly right and and by the way you want to see you want to see a prime example of, of a leading signal in the economy right now um, we now have gas gasoline regular unleaded gasoline uh, here that's that's about uh, two seventy five. It's well under three bucks. That's even. That's like only sixty cents over our bob. That's cheap. SP futures uh, up down thirty eight fifty. So we're a little bit better than we were, but not that much. Nasdaq futures down sixty. Carl, yesterday I never saw a market go down that much and stick there in the same number for like five hours. It was unbelievable. And that, it was a boring, horrible day. I mean, normally a seven hundred point move in the Dow is is a you're doing a lot of stuff. Yesterday we just watched. Let's, we'll be right back. Yeah. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, 
Welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. Half time hour, Andrew on the board. SP Futures, now we're back down almost 41 again. So, SP Futures down 70. So, our weak attempt at a weak rally seems to be fading here a little bit. Dow Futures down uh, 329. Uh, there's a group here after this, Carl, when we come back here. Mazers Group uh, has stopped all, spends all work with crypto clients, including Binance and Crypto.com. Um, We'll talk about that with Carl as soon as we get back, because I don't know, I never heard of Mazer's group, but they must be big enough, they got a headline. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX, only down 85.6%, but we're doing better, well, I guess they're about the same as us, well, no, we're down a whole percent. Uh, FTSE down 98, that's 1.3%, CAC around down 82, 1.3. The DAX was the biggest loser yesterday, and a little less user today, we're all kind of evening up here with losses. Nikkei down 524, that's almost 2%. Uh, Hang Seng up 82.4%, Shanghai up 79 cents, so call that one flat, so kind of mixed in Asia. Nikkei that follows us more than the Chinese markets is, is kind of right with us. Uh, yesterday is a way of nasty review. Dow was down 764, that's 2.25%. S&P is down 99, 2.5%, and NASDAQ down 360, 3.2%. Bonds were up 6 basis points down at 351. Uh, the, when I say bonds, I'm talking about 10-year rate. The Bund up 8 basis points, 2.17, so they I was wondering if they're going to go through 2%. They've kind of gone through 2% like dinner through a goose here. Japan, however, remains unchanged at 0.25 as they continue to kind of target that number. Uh, oil down 2 bucks, 74.11. Brent down 2 bucks, 79.21. Natural gas down 57 cents now, 6.40. Heading for the $6 number. Boy, oh boy. Arbob down 4 cents, 2.12. That's why Carl's getting his gas that cheap. Uh, we've got gold up 8 bucks, 17.95, trying to get back over 1800. Silver down 11 cents, 23.19. Copper unchanged at 376. We've got crypto uh, down. Four, Bitcoin's down 452 now, 16,980. As Carl said, it happened in the middle of the night last night. It actually come back a little bit, but we're still down almost 500. Uh, U.S. dollar virtually unchanged today, 106 to the euro, and uh, 121 to the the pound after uh, being real strong yesterday. Today, not so much. Andrew, what do you have for us? Traffic, weather, sports. All right, it is 737. <clears throat> Excuse me. Excuse me. All right, now it's clear. Uh, 7.37 here in Chicago. Uh, and for sports, the Bears play the Eagles on Sunday, 12 p.m. And for hockey, uh, last night the Blackhawks lost to the Golden Knights 4-1. to Tonight we can watch the Blackhawks again play the Wild at 7 p.m. And over in Phoenix, the Coyotes are going to play the Islanders at 8.30 Chicago time. Now for basketball, the Suns beat the Clippers 111-95. And tonight, the Bulls fight the Knicks at 7 p.m. Now, for Chicago weather, it is 31 degrees right now. Currently cloudy and windy, and we're only going to have a high of 33, so not a great one today. Uh, but over in Phoenix, it's currently at 40 degrees, and they're going to be clear with a high of 61. And now, finally, for traffic, uh, only one accident to report on the major expressways, expressways right now. Uh, just a minute ago, an accident was reported on the eastbound Kennedy right before Harlem Avenue. So not too much traffic has built around there just yet, but nearly every inbound expressway is about the same. Slowly building in that yellow and probably going to be in that red pretty soon. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. Um, so the S&P futures are sneaking down. And Carl, this uh, question about this Mazars firm, I don't know who those guys are, but I guess my, my question is, is the Crypto.com, that exchange, and the Binance are still... Even if, even if the Binance, and I, you know, I don't know anything about them, even if they're purer than Pharaoh's wife, can they stay afloat with everybody dunking around them? Well, the, the basic 
the basic answer is probably not, and the reason goes to the core of how these so-called assets actually work. When you when you commit a transaction, when you do a thing, in order to prevent, you know, when when you pull a twenty dollar bill out of your wallet, the fact that you didn't print it on your laser printer this morning uh, is reasonably verifiable by the clerk that you hand it to by simply handling money. Okay, and and if you've ever worked in retail or know anybody that has, I mean, my daughter, uh, you know, like most kids, got started doing retaily kinds of things. I mean, my my first real job was at a car wash where I handled money all of the, all day long because people came in and paid for the car wash. So you know, like like pretty much everybody else, that's where she started with, and she handled money all day long. It was a chocolate shop, and real real fast you get to the point where somebody hands you a funny $5 bill and you know it's bad. Okay, you, you don't even have to think about it. You, just, you know it's not real. You know it's fake. And so that's the thing about, about traditional currencies that's self-verifying. All these digital currencies require the expenditure of a substantial amount of energy in order to verify that you're not trying to spend the same Bitcoin twice. And, and essentially because you could theoretically present the same credential in two places at one time, there is there's both an energy and a time cost in doing this. Because only one of those two transactions can commit. If the other one commits as well, you have managed to figure out how to counterfeit it. Right? So that's that's the problem with the process generally, is somebody has to get paid in order to handle that verification that that signature chain is valid and it's not cheap so what we have here is a system where unlike visa mastercard where where you know for a half a percent plus plus a quarter you can commit a transaction into the chain that that says that you charged your credit card okay and that's and that is valid and it is known valid, and therefore it's collectible against you at the end of the month. With all of these cryptocurrencies, it's an order of magnitude more expensive. Somebody has to get paid to do that. And the way it works with Bitcoin in particular is that the entities that are doing the so-called mining, as part of their responsibility in doing that, is verifying the integrity of this transaction stream. And so as a result, that's where that's you know that's that's where the juice comes from, right? So what happens when that's uh, uh, how do you get that from the person who spends the bitcoins? Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's, I, I'm sort of close. Well, see, that, see, chief, that's the problem. Okay, in in the traditional credit card world, in the traditional transaction, or, or for that matter, on Fedwire with wire transfers, if I want to wire you a million dollars the the 25 bucks it costs for Fedwire to clear that transaction comes out of my butt right right? I have to pay the 25 dollars right. well in this case it's it's not that small right and so there is this myth going around that we can have this these cryptocurrencies and and yet Think about this. If every time you went to the grocery store and you stuck your card in the terminal in order to buy your groceries, 
if if that transaction cost twenty five bucks, how many people would do that? Nobody. Nobody. But but see, here's the thing. For wire transfers, that's about what it runs, right? I mean, if I if I if I send a wire, it's about what the bank charges me. It's been that way for a long time. When I you know, all the way back to when I was running my internet company, it was about the same price. It hasn't moved much because that's just what the process costs. But nobody uses wire transfers to buy groceries, and that's why because it's expensive. So. It, it, the problem with crypto is that this embedded cost has not been accounted for, and somebody has to pay it. All right, we'll back up so a bit. So, if you bit. have a so-called exchange that is legitimately in the business of being an exchange, they're not cheating, they're not playing games. They are an exchange. The exchange has to get paid enough from the transactions. Somebody has to pay the transaction fees, and they have to make enough money to operate and make a profit. Well, um, good luck with that. So what we've done is we've hidden all of this, and the way it's been hidden is with the kind of shenanigans that have gone on with FTX. Well, how, how do the places like Burger King and uh, what's what's the, the the burrito joint that spun off McDonald's, that was their name, uh, uh, the real big, huge place, oh, well, whatever. They all allegedly would take Bitcoin. Now, how the hell did they take it? Well, because they have somebody does the translation into dollars. Because you're not going to buy more burrito stuff with bitcoins, right? Right. Well, I mean, I guess. Well, I'm saying yeah. the, the guy that sells you the chicken or the beef that goes in the burrito and the and the, and the tortillas, he wants to be paid in dollars. I think. Well, that's that's what the whole thing to me early on sort of came apart even for, even for well, I'll say drug dealers I mean, uh, or for in, it, shall we say illicit transactions someplace somewhere the thing has got a surface I mean if, if well that's right I mean if, if, if somebody's willing to take my bitcoin for a car read Tesla I guess it's okay if if they can turn around and, and buy the batteries and tires and steering wheels and stuff where somebody else using bitcoin but if all of a sudden the guy goes, no, no, I want cash, this thing keeps coming in and out of the system. You're not, you're not first of all, you're not gaining any uh, any secrecy if you ever even more in the first place. But here, here's the question I have, and I, I, I haven't asked it in a while because I think you know maybe myself and people were getting bored with it. All you and Kevin know more about this than me, and the whole, the whole bit, the whole blockchain, and how it's allegedly secret, and how it's it's you know it's genius to make it. Well, so, well, it's not secret. That's that's backwards. It's actually the most the the most traceable asset ever in the history of mankind. Okay, so what I'm, what I'm saying is, uh, it, it's it, the system is supposed to be sacred. Even okay, it's it's traceable. But now, how is it that I can, if without without, if I want to put my my I got twenty bitcoins and I'm foolish enough to put them at bit at a FTX, how do I? Essentially, put them on deposit there, like if it was a stock. Okay, because the stock has this whole mechanism. We've been doing this for a hundred years, right? I mean, how, how how do I give them uh, essentially title to be able to do something with this and sell it if they had to, without giving them all my IDs and stuff? And how is it that they can essentially turn around and give it to somebody else, or or worse yet, sell it and, and give? <laughs> and give a political contribution to somebody. I mean, how how does it how does how do you put a Bitcoin in street name? Well, the same way you put anything else in street name, you tra- you essentially transfer it. I mean, you know, the old days when you had physical stock certificates, you had to send the physical stock certificate to the broker. 
Well, right, but but I but I have to sign a form. It says right, they you can have to lend sign it, a piece of paper. But they can, lend, and, but they know, can lend it out under the circumstance, and they do. They got to pay some interest. And and oh, by but but I the IBM they have is fungible. If if I if I were to go, if I all of a sudden take a whole bunch of money out to to buy a house and I lose on it, and all of a sudden my the stack goes down and I have a margin call and I can't meet it. They can sell if I got five thousand shares. though, they can sell five hundred of the shares to meet the margin call because it's IBM is fungible and I gave them the right to do that. But but they can't go in without my password and everything else. How do they how do they sell my Bitcoin or is, is it not? Well, no, they can't. That's that's the whole point. Is that you have to transfer it into their account, so now it's under their key and not yours anymore. So I essentially sold it to them, for lack of a better term. You, for well, yes, sort of like you, you, you know, the stocks that I hold at, at Schwab or, or you know, Fido or whatever are held in street name. Well, except for the fact that I believe, and I should, I think I know this. Uh, if if you were to give a million dollars worth of IBM to PTI, your your SIPIC is two hundred fifty grand, but that IBM stock remains yours. But if, well, if I, it, it does, but it doesn't. It remains mine. But it's being held in street name. Right, but at the end of the day, if, if RBC went under or somebody went under, your your stock is coming back to you. They don't get you don't get only two hundred and fifty grand, and they suck up the other five million of your stock. Well, now, now wait a, now wait a minute. That's assuming that RBC didn't steal it. Well, but I mean, let's put it this way: it's real hard for them to steal it. <laughs> I, well, I'm just that, well. Not only is it hard for them to steal it, but that's the whole reason that there's SIPC insurance, yeah. right? Yeah, but I. I'm saying I, I, I was okay, and it's and it's also and it's also why, it, with all reputable brokerages, they all have override insurance from places like Lloyd's. Yep. All right, and it's because there is a possibility that somebody has done a criminal thing and stole your your stock that you allowed them to hold in street name. You know, you know what, Carl, you you might be the only person I know that knows this, but. We first got in the business, and we were clearing through Mesro and so forth. And I'm not trying to scare anybody or anything like that because that's not my intention. But you could have, if if Sipic was 250 and somebody dropped uh, 10 million at PTI, which you know we had people that did, and uh, Mesro, we'd, we'd we'd give them the high sign. They would actually uh, get individual insurance for for that account. Anything over a certain number, they would. And, and, it, and it was, I mean, Mesro never went under. They're still there. These, none of these places go under, under with customer people normally. Normally, I mean, hardly ever. Even uh, even Bear Stearns, I think customers got their money back. The, the owners didn't. Uh, the and, all, and, and these insurance companies did this. And I'm going to say, Carl, for 50 years or 40 years, they never paid a claim, ever. And then one day they all decided we're getting out of the business. Collectively, without any sort of antitrust, they all just left. They they never they never paid a claim. I don't think. And now what you're saying, instead of your like at RBC as big as they are, or Mesro still around, we don't clear there anymore. Uh, I'm going to say that Mesro now has an umbrella that covers maybe some, maybe all. Say well, all their customer accounts are forty billion dollars, they might have a an umbrella of ten. Okay, but it's it's still not the same as them going out and actually insuring your account for the money you put in there. You know, all those firms on one day said we're out without any sort of antitrust, and they they never paid a claim. I don't I don't know what they saw that particular morning. This is getting riskier or whatever, but not but they sell the chunk insurance. They don't just, right. just they just don't do the. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but that was the weirdest thing ever. Hey, uh, 
quick quick uh, shift gears here. In the state that is doing everything, boy, it's Paul Harvey here. In the state that's doing everything to uh, uh, talk about uh, energy and whatever, you see this part about California drop, dropping a little of this. They, they've lowered, for those that don't know, and I, I, Carl knows more about this than me, if you put up some high end, I don't know if you put just the one, the one panel up there, if you put up some high end uh, solar collector or, or if you put a really nice windmill up or so forth, if you do all that stuff, you know, so a lot of the times the thing's producing more power than you're using. So I don't know if it was a law or whatever, but the, the, you you were able to put that back into the grid and essentially sell it to the utility, sell it back to them. So and some utilities would love that because during the day, if you've got extra solar stuff at your place, at the same time all these air conditioners on in the summertime, uh, they they would love the power back, right? So they would pay you for that. Well, now the California Public Utilities Commission on Thursday passed a proposal that will reduce compensation provided to households for the surplus electricity down to where it's like by being like their cheapest provider. I mean, I- yeah, well, there's well, there's a, was a problem with the way this was being done originally and the way it was the, to incentivize people to put these things on their roof. They let you sell the power back at the same price that the power company sold it to you. Okay, so it was entirely possible for you to have essentially a you know if if your line charge from the power company is twenty bucks to have the, basically to have the meter in your box right they charge a you know a fee for the meter and the physical connection to the grid. It was very easy for you to end up with what amounted to a credit balance, and essentially you you paid nothing. All right, problem with doing that is that building out that infrastructure so that you can plug into the grid is not free. Right. Well, plus on your end... You weren't paying for any part of it. And part of that charge that you pay every month is that. Okay? It's not just the electricity. It's also the, you know, the input costs. So what what the PUC said is at a certain level of penetration, if we keep allowing this to go on, uh, PG&E is not going to be able to build transmission lines and buy transformers and switch gear and stuff like this. And uh, ooh, now we got a problem. <laughs> well, yeah. I, the only thing I mean, I don't know. I don't. I you know, I shouldn't have gone down this road. Maybe so much with with a certain lack of knowledge. But in, in our particular, our Chicago's particular case, they should be happy to take electricity back at the same price because the electricity's. I won't say a. a, a small piece of my bill, but it, it sort of is. Same thing with the gas. The, the customer charge is way more than the electricity. Well, again, it depends on how the structure is set up, but the way the, way the net metering was, was essentially working was that, for all intents and purposes, you got zero bills, okay? And, and the problem with that is, is that for those people who did that, um, this, of course, went into their calculation as to whether or not it was worth it to put the panels on the roof. Uh, but the issue with doing that is that PG&E still has to have the lines and the transformers and the switchgear and everything else in order to actually get the right. energy from you that generates it on your roof to the guy you know three doors down that wants to run his air conditioner. And, 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 and the consumer level, meaning a guy like me, of course, I'm not going to do it in a city, but if I had a place somewhere else, what, what are, I'm going to say, there's levels to this. There's always levels to stuff. Uh, like even, even businesses, they don't grow in a straight line. They grow in step functions, right? Uh, and the, uh, but if I if I want to put, let me put it this way, if, if I want to have a 
you know, a, 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 an oil pump, which if I had a little bit of oil on my property, which I don't since I live in the city, if I had an oil pump, I could probably during the day, if I just needed to pump it a few hours a day, I could put a little panel up there. It's all DC. I can make the pump DC, and I pump away, and I, I'm good to go. And that's on the very basic level. Uh, the next level is if I had some panels and maybe a battery, I could power some DC lights all night or some crap like that. Now, how, how much more now for me to be able to do AC? How much more for me to be able to do some 220 if I need it? How much more for me to get to kick it back to the to this to the uh, electric company because this isn't the pole 440 i mean i mean i, I don't know are there what inter- and is there's one one of hundred hour project one of thousand hour project one of twenty thousand hour project i mean on my part well invert an inverter to get to get 120 out of a out of a dc source you need an inverter okay. and and the common household installation does not have any storage so you don't have any batteries okay uh, so what they what they typically do is you put the you put the panels on the roof, and then you have an inverter that's tied to the grid, and the the inverter can both allow energy through from the utility, uh, and can also shove energy into the utility if the DC source, in this case the solar panels, uh, produces more than the house consumes. So that's that's where this whole net metering thing comes from. The the problem with those installations is that they will not work without the grid because you need the flywheel effect to provide the stability that the inverter needs in order to operate and be stable. Otherwise, you could shut off everything in your house and all of a sudden that inverter has no load at all. It literally has zero load. And so as a result, there's there are stability problems with the with the unit being able to maintain 120 volts or 240 volts and 60 cycle power if there's no load, and then on top of that, th- those units contain the circuitry necessary to synchronize the two together because you know AC is a is a fluctuating waveform. So when right. you go onto the grid line, you have to synchronize with the power grid. Otherwise, you'd blow up everything in your cabinet. <laughs> um, so it's a big deal. Uh, all right, let's yeah, it's a pretty big deal. The reason that nobody wants to, to do storage for the most part is because the batteries are very expensive and they wear out and have to be replaced. All right, we've got we got two minutes, and I've kind of resisted since we had so much other stuff. We always I, I love going off on tangents with you, but what if we if we can't? I mean, I would say if clients call me yesterday all day long, you know, should we be a buyer? Should we look at some industries? And I think. Some industries somewhere, I mean, there's two phenomena here, Carl, and I think you know them. One is when the futures are down, and I'm, a, I mean, I'm an arbitrageur, but I want to buy the futures and sell the stocks. I don't really give a rat's ass what stock that is, whether you like it, whether it's a good company. I'm going to sell the stock based on its percentage in the, in the S&P 500 or 100, wherever the future is, or the, or the NASDAQ, and I'm just going to sell it. And if, if I'm selling out, if I'm throwing out the baby with the bathwater, it's somebody else's job to find that place and, and go in and buy it at a lower price, right? So, right. so you, you have that phenomenon going on. But you also have people asking me, okay, we're, what areas here are, should we be looking at? I'm looking at maybe some industrial metals. Dan was talking about that. I'm looking at, uh, you know, maybe, well, always healthcare. I mean, it, but there's, there's, there's areas that maybe you think that they're going to, if the whole market goes down 30%, I'm not predicting that. Whole market is down thirty percent from here. There's going to be stocks that don't deserve to be down thirty percent. So the trick is to find those areas. Right. But now, but in terms of general market here, 
I am. Well, I was very surprised yesterday, even though I was a little bearish, and we're, the, the recession coming on and so forth. I'm saying I'm in, a, I'm in a bearish camp, although my people are pretty much long, even though they're protected. I I was very surprised at yesterday, and I'm even more surprised at the total lack of any bounce here. Are, are we talking something that's going to go like another 20% down, like real quick, or, or are we just going to firm up here at some point, at least be flat for a while? Well, I think there's I think there's very real risk here from this from this crypto space and a contagion risk that is being there's few people talking about it, but I think it's wildly underappreciated, and that is that that this whole concept, the exchange into dollars or euros or whatever, takes place through this this thing called stable coins, which supposedly have hundred percent reserves, and actually there, there is a dollar for every tether supposedly. If that turns out to be bogus, then the entire infrastructure behind this and all of the money that supposedly existed and has been used to buy up other assets, including equities, is going to go poof. And that's and that is a very real risk. And what and this correlation that I'm seeing points to the fact that there this risk is real. This is not isolated. If Bitcoin blows and this entire thing blows up. You could very easily see thirty or forty percent come off the most levered assets in the conventional space, and that's common stocks. All right. Now, I, by the way, I think you and I two years ago were talking about this bit. These 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 cryptos have gotten to the point where if there's a problem there, they're big enough to hurt other other places. But, hurt uh, everything else. Yeah. But real but real quick, Carl, we're running over here a second. Uh, we've lost. After yesterday or today, we might be down six, seven trillion in the Nasdaq. Yeah, and we're only the Bitcoin. I thought, and again, we got a dash here. I thought that the total value of all the Bitcoin at the top end was like a trillion eight. So even if even if that drops, if it totally disappears, trillion eight's a lot of money. But it's only like, like a third of what the Nasdaq's already lost this year. I mean, is it? Is it? Chief, Chief, what's the leverage that's allowed in the Treasury market? Uh. Well, the Treasury market's ninety percent. Correct. What's the leverage that's allowed in the FX market by most of the brokers? Uh, well, foreign exchange. I, I don't know. You know, that, that's not, in some I'm cases a hundred to yeah, one. Hundred to one. Yeah. All right. So, um, put your multiplier on that Bitcoin number and tell me whether or not you still think this is a little thing. Well, I'm, I, I'm not, I didn't say it was a little thing. I'm. I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm, just, I, I'm just saying. I, well, yeah, I, 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 I know some people, Carl. I've heard some people that, that took second mortgages out to buy Bitcoin at the top. So yeah, uh, yeah, they're, they're, and, they're, and, yeah, and guess how much they're underwater? Oh, huge! All right, we'll, we'll talk more next week. Maybe who knows? Maybe get you on earlier. Crazy stuff going on, Carl. This is good stuff. I'm, I'm always happy to have you here. I always learn. SP futures down thirty-eight, and Nasdaq futures down fifty. I hope we don't get down too much further. At least today. Back to, back on Monday, stocks and jacks. You're still here. It's over. Go home. Go. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. 
DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.